What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are capping off the redraft rankings with wide receivers and tight ends. The bulk of the podcast will definitely be featured on the wide receivers, so we're going to go ahead and get started there. Remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, Drop a rating, drop a review for me. I appreciate it immensely. Let's get it going. Devontae Adams is my wide receiver one. He is not the person I have projected for the most points this year. And he also does not have a great schedule, but I think he is probably the safest. And he still has an immense ceiling just as high as anybody else's because he could easily pull in a 30% target share. He did 32% last year. He could easily pull in a touchdown per game like he did last year. So Devontae Adams, he's got so much going for him. He's got a great quarterback. He's in a good offense. And yes, he has a bad schedule, but he's an elite wide receiver and he has an elite quarterback passing him the ball. So he should be fine either way. Tyreek Hill is my wide receiver too. I have him actually projected for the most touchdowns this season. And mainly it's because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to take a huge step back because his touchdown rate which we talked about just on the last podcast when we were talking about quarterbacks, was double that of the past like three-year average. So if that comes down, it's obviously going to hurt Devontae, right? Plus, there's more weapons that Devontae has to compete with. Tyreek Hill, on the other hand, it's just him and Kelsey. That's pretty much, you could count Clyde if you want to count running backs, but it's pretty much Kelsey and Hill. And Mahomes is going to probably throw more touchdown passes than Aaron Rodgers. So Tyreek Hill, I have actually projected to lead with 15 total touchdowns. He's my wide receiver too. He is the person who has the highest projected point total for me among wide receivers, and he has a decent schedule. He's yellow. Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver three. Stephon Diggs may lead the league, and that's how I have it projected in total targets. I have him for 179, just over 10 targets per game, but we do have some little hints at a possible injury that might linger through the season we'll see what happens but right now Stefan Diggs is not playing all the time that's not great he's not practicing and he's kind of just waiting it out so we'll see what happens with Stefan Diggs and his injury hopefully it's not too serious they're saying it's not serious but we'll wait and see right but Stefan Diggs is my wide receiver three he was crazy good last year he made Josh Allen or he at least helped contribute to a huge increase in efficiency metrics for Josh Allen in his third year. Part of the reason why Josh Allen is so highly drafted is because of Stephon Diggs. He also has a yellow schedule. He's good to go. Can't miss on him. Calvin Ridley is my wide receiver four. Now we're still working within the same tier, right? This is all tier one wide receivers. So far out of everybody I've talked about, if you wanted to draft them as the first wide receiver, first wide receiver off the board, I would have no argument. Calvin Ridley is another one of those guys. I have him second in total targets this season at 178. Julio leaving leaves a big void, and Kyle Pitts is not going to fill that void completely. So Calvin Ridley stands to see an increase in target share, even if he doesn't. He had such a big target share last year that just maintaining that 
as he was one of the best wide receivers last year, and he did not get worse when Julio was off the field, is going to be plenty. So Calvin Ridley, with 18.8 points per game last year, I have him at 19.4 this year, not much of a difference. He's the first person and the only person in Tier 1 that has a perfect schedule for wide receivers, a green schedule. That's Calvin Ridley. So he's my wide receiver 4. You could take him at 1 if you wanted, and I have no argument. One other thing on Ridley, Devontae Adams I have projected for 13 touchdowns, Tyreek for 15 touchdowns. Diggs and Ridley are my wide receivers 3 and 4, very close in points per game to Adams and Hill, and they are projected for only eight touchdowns each. So if they actually just had like an exceptional year and got lucky with the touchdowns, they would probably be wide receiver one. So keep that in mind. A.J. Brown is the last wide receiver for me in tier one. You might think that that's way too high. I personally think that he will be the most targeted wide receiver in that offense, not Julio Jones. He's got pre-established chemistry. Plus, at this point, I do honestly believe that A.J. Brown is probably better than Julio Jones is. Now, Julio Jones is still elite. I just think A.J. Brown is also elite. And having Julio Jones on the other side of A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown's going to get the second corner. Julio's going to draw the number one coverage because of his... He's a, a tenured vet who is still extremely good and has always drawn number one coverage. So that's probably going to be the case in Tennessee, which will make it way easier for A.J. Brown. And... His efficiency is probably going to spike because of it. Plus, if that offense throws more, he doesn't even need to get a very big target share. Yet, he will. He really will. So, because not only did Corey Davis leave and Jonu Smith leave, but they also lost Adam Humphreys. Julio Jones has not taken all of that, right? And maybe A.J. Brown, his target share doesn't increase, but he was really good last year. 17.4 points per game. I have him at 19.7. I think he's going to have a career year in touchdowns and efficiency. Then we start tier two. So that's where I draw the line is after A.J. Brown. This next tier, and if you want to move A.J. Brown into this tier, I understand. I personally think A.J. Brown is just going to go off this season. But starting to starting out tier two is DeAndre Hopkins, a wide receiver six for me. There's a huge gap in total points projected because... DeAndre Hopkins I have at 17.9 points per game. A.J. Brown I have at 19.7. Ridley at 19.4. So there's like a huge one and a half point weekly gap. And that's what caused me to have a tear break. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have a great schedule. It's orange, so it's teetering close to a bad schedule. And while I love the situation he's in, or the talent that he has and the quarterback he has, I should say, there's just not enough pass volume there's not enough production to be had in that offense right now for DeAndre Hopkins to be like wide receiver one now he's still going to be elite obviously I have him at wide receiver six and everybody we've talked about so far is going to be very very good I do like DeAndre Hopkins but personally I'm not really drafting him and on that token everybody we've mentioned so far I'm not drafting because why? I slam running back at the top. All these guys we've talked about are going, except for A.J. Brown, which I actually, he would be the one person out of everyone we've talked about I would draft, or at least have on my teams. All of these guys are going round one, round two. I am not taking a wide receiver round one, round two. Unless something crazy happens and somebody drops way too far, like Devontae Adams in the second, then okay, fine. I'll take that value. But generally... 
I'm not touching the wide receivers in the first two rounds because there are so many good wide receivers who are, we will talk about later to be had in the middle rounds. And if you stack up on those running backs, it's going to be so much better for you. Also, remember how I talked about Christian McCaffrey, right? His value as a VORP player that he gives you six points on average per week over your opponent's running back in the same spot. Well, Devontae Adams is my wide receiver one. And Tyreek Hill is my wide receiver too, but projected with the most points. They don't even give you more than two and a half point advantage over the other opponent's average wide receiver in that spot. So that's a huge gap. And that's why you got to slam running back because running back, that's just how it is. The drop off is a lot faster and it's way harder to find depth. It's way harder to hit on people in the middle rounds at the running back position. And it's way harder to hit on running back sleepers. And you might say, okay, well, you know, I can hit on those running backs on waivers. You can, but you're going to have to spend all of your fab. And it's kind of hard when a James Robinson pops up, or I guess I should say a Mike Davis pops up, or a Miles Gaskin pops up, to win that because you have no idea how much you want to bid. Plus, are you going to bid all of it and risk being wrong when somebody pops up that first week? So it's really tough. That's why I don't like putting myself in that situation. And I'm taking all those running backs at the top. But anyways, to press on. Keenan Allen is my wide receiver seven. I have him among the leaders in targets as well. I have him at 170, 17.7 points per game. He's not a huge touchdown guy, but I do have him for a better touchdown number than he's seen in a long time. And that's nine total touchdowns. That's actually what I had for DeAndre Hopkins as well. So Keenan Allen is my wide receiver seven. Wide receiver eight, Justin Jefferson. I don't think there's really anything crazy about these rankings so far. Justin Jefferson last year, 16.9 points per game. I have him for 17.3 this year. I think his efficiency is probably going to drop because there's tape on him. And he was just so madly efficient. One of the only wide receivers in the NFL to post more than a 70% catch rate combined with 15 yards or more per reception, which is just ridiculous. That's probably not going to happen again. And if it is, whoo, Dynasty wide receiver one, the wide receiver one for sure. Robert Woods is my wide receiver 9, and Cooper Cup is my wide receiver 10. Now remember, we're talking redraft. Woods and Cup, I'm going to explain this one because this is probably where I start deviating from the norm, right? That and A.J. Brown. Woods and Cup are both going to be way better than they were last year. I have them both projected at about 17.5 points per game. Last year, they were about 14.5 points per game each. Woods was 15.5. Cup was 14, so average that out to 14.7 between the two of them. I think they're going to have a huge jump. I think the offense is going to have have a huge jump. I think with Cam Akers getting injured, they're going to want to pass more in the red zone, leading to more possible touchdowns in that area. Also, they're going to pass more in general because Cam Akers is hurt. So they're not going to be nearly as committed to the run. There's just so many factors here. Stafford, when he had Calvin Johnson... He over-targeted Calvin Johnson. He hyper-targeted his really good wide receiver. Woods and Cup are so good. They are both very good wide receivers. They are going to be over-targeted by Matt Stafford. That's great for them for fantasy. And like I said, it's going to be a great offense. I absolutely love both of them. And I'll just give you their stat lines just so you can kind of see where I'm at and you can kind of see if you agree with me or not. But this is what puts them at 9 and 10 for me. I have them... At 1,350 receiving yards, almost exactly for both. And I have Cooper Cup at 10 touchdowns, Robert Woods at 9. 
So, like I said, huge improvements all the way around. And they have a green schedule. Outside of Calvin Ridley, they're the only wide receiver so far that have a green schedule that we've talked about. Then I got Julio Jones at 11. I do think A.J. Brown obviously is going to be better based off the ranking. You can tell that. But Julio Jones is not going to be too far off if he can just stay healthy. But his health does give him a medium risk rating for me. Amari Cooper is my wide receiver 12. This is TBD because he's dealing with an injury right now as well. And CeeDee Lamb is going crazy in camp. So CeeDee Lamb, who's actually not too far from here, we'll talk about him in a second. He might end up swapping spots with Amari for me. We'll see what happens. Another thing though, not a very good schedule. Not a very good schedule at all for these wide receivers in Dallas. Because one in their division, right? You have Darius Slay on the Eagles to worry about. On Washington, you have William Jackson and oh, the second corner slips in my mind, but I know he's really good too. And then the Giants, you have Bradbury. And they have a decent second corner as well. So that's that's their division, and they've got good corners in that division. Plus, the rest of their schedule is not great. So not too excited for that. But Amari Cooper is probably a value where he's being drafted. Allen Robinson starts Tier 3 for me. He is wide receiver 13. And a lot of people are on the question of, hey, who's better, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, in regards to Allen Robinson's fantasy production? I think it's pretty easy. I would take Fields. Now, a lot of people are saying, okay, Dalton will probably target Robinson more and the offense will probably pass more. Both of those things hold water. I definitely agree that with Andy Dalton, the Bears offense would pass more than they would with Justin Fields. So, okay, better possible opportunity for Allen Robinson to get targets. But I don't necessarily agree with the fact that Andy Dalton would target Allen Robinson more because Justin Fields, he targeted Chris Olave more than 25% of the time, I believe, last year in college at Ohio State. That was one of the things people wanted to knock him for. I kind of dispelled that, and I had Christian Williams come on and talk about that as well because he did a whole bunch of work on Justin Fields. And um, if Justin Fields goes off, make sure to give Christian Williams a shout-out because Justin Fields was actually his QB1 in the rookie class. And anyways, Justin Fields, a lot of a lot of people would say, hey, you know, he sat on his first read far too long. Whether or not you agree with that statement, the stats show that he did throw a lot to his wide receiver one. And I think it was justified. Chris Olave was just super good. Allen Robinson is clearly the best wide receiver on this team. And there's nothing wrong with targeting him a whole bunch. So I don't think necessarily Justin Fields would throw less to him than Andy Dalton. And to go against and to give some pushback to the total volume as the pass volume of the offense would go down if Fields takes over because he runs the ball more, it doesn't really make a difference because of one key factor, touchdown potential. If Justin Fields is the starter, we probably all agree the offense is better. Otherwise, he wouldn't even be starting in the first place. And if the offense is better, then yeah, Allen Robinson might miss out on one target every two games opposed to Andy Dalton, but he's also going to be in the red zone way more often and have a much better shot at getting a bunch of touchdowns. So Allen Robinson, I think, is probably better with Justin Fields, but either way, he's going to be very good. He's barely missing out on the wide receiver one status for me this year. Terry McLaurin is wide receiver 14 for me. I might actually have to bump that up a little bit. I need to go back and check my Washington target share totals because 
Fitz is looking like he just absolutely loves Terry. He might hyper-target him. So I might knock Terry's percentage up a tiny bit. We'll have to see. I've made some adjustments here and there. If you go on my Twitter, you might be seeing some re-screenshotted um, projections for my teams that say, you know, adjusted, adjusted, adjusted. I just adjusted the Steelers a little bit. I just adjusted the Bengals a little bit. Not much changes, no significant changes, but just moves people around a couple spots in the rankings. So Terry McLaurin might end up being like wide receiver 12 for me. CeeDee Lamb, I have at wide receiver 15. Like I said, Dallas does not have a great schedule. So that's something that we got to remember, but CeeDee Lamb is just, he's going to be great. His ADP right now, I think, is like round like the 3-4 turn, which is fine, but that's still the area I'm trying to take running backs. So, so far out of everyone we've talked about, pretty much the only person I'm taking is A.J. Brown. That's because I have him as a top five wide receiver for me, and you can get him in the third round. So if you go running back, running back, and you don't have like a Darren Waller slip into the third, then A.J. Brown, that's fine. That's fine. I like that. So continue on after CeeDee Lamb, we have at wide receiver 16, Mike Evans. A lot of people like to debate Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown. Well, I have Godwin and Evans pretty close to each other, so I'm not too worried about it. Mike Evans does not have a very good schedule. It's orange, so the next step above red, so barely above being a bad schedule. And he is the one person, the reason I have him ranked the highest, he's the one person with a clearly defined role in this Bucks offense. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin can both do very similar things. I'm not sure how the targets exactly are going to shake up. I think I have a good grasp on it. But Mike Evans, for me, you you know he's safe for pretty much, if he stays healthy and Brady stays healthy, he's pretty much locked in for double-digit touchdowns or close to it. You can't say that for Godwin or Antonio Brown because it can go any, any which way. But Mike Evans is always getting those red zone targets. DK Metcalf is my wide receiver, 17. He has a very bad schedule, so does obviously Tyler Lockett, who we'll talk about in a second. But DK Metcalf, I have him at 16.3 points per game, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's good, I just think he's overrated, and I'm not going to have him on any of my teams because I expect that Seattle offense to get back to how they were the latter half of last year and run the ball more than pass the ball, which is not great. Or, you know, not like straight up run the ball more than pass the ball, but compared to what they were doing the first half of the season last year, it's definitely going to be more run heavy, so not too, too excited about DK Metcalf, and after that, at wide receiver 18, I have Tyler Boyd, so I actually adjusted Tyler Boyd negatively, and he's still this high for me. I dropped his target rate down by 2% from what I had before, and that puts him at 146 targets, because remember, the Bengals are going to throw a ridiculous amount right? 146 targets, 112 receptions, just under 1,200 yards, and only six touchdowns, and he's up here at wide receiver 18. He is one of the huge reasons why I'm not touching wide receivers high in drafts, because I can get Tyler Boyd in round eight, round seven at the highest, but round seven through nine, you can get Tyler Boyd. He is a wide receiver two for me in total projected points, in ranking. He's been a wide receiver two, like the last three years, if you take out the the bad context, what do I mean by that? If you take out the non-Joe Burrow played games, last year he was a wide receiver too. If you take out the games where A.J. Green was injured before when Andy Dalton was there, Tyler Boyd was a wide receiver too. 
So what Tyler Boyd has always been good, especially when he's got at least one other good person across from him, which is the case now. He's safe with the slot targets. I see no reason for him to get less than a 20% target share. And with how much that offense throws, a 20% target share would be about 135 targets. So that's plenty, especially for a high-efficiency guy, at least catch rate-wise for PPR purposes like Tyler Boyd. So, And I only have him at six touchdowns. If he gets eight or nine touchdowns, then guess what? He could be much better. So I like Tyler Boyd a lot. I'm grabbing him everywhere. Tyler Lockett is the last person in Tier 3 for me with the wide receivers. Same kind of deal as DK Metcalf. I only have him ranked lower because pretty much the consistency problem. DK Metcalf gave you at least double digits 75% of the time last year. Tyler Lockett did it just above 50% of the time last year. So that's a huge reason why I'm taking DK over Lockett. Then we've got Tier 4. And that starts at wide receiver 20. And that's Chris Godwin for me. Chris Godwin, think he's going to have a good season as well, but there's just so many good weapons in Tampa. Then we've got DJ Moore at wide receiver 21. It's He's one of those guys that's frustrating. He has a great schedule. He, he has a green schedule, the first person that we've talked about in a while that does. And the thing that bothers me about DJ Moore is last year, he was unpredictable. The the matchups that it looked like he should shine, he stunk, and Robbie Anderson was the dude. And the matchups where the corner on him was the best corner on the field, and it made sense to fade him, he caught a screen pass and took it for 60 yards to the house for a touchdown. He did that like three or four times last year. It was ridiculous. And it was in those rough matchups where you sat DJ Moore. So that's something that's super frustrating. He's also not getting the touchdowns for some reason, which I, I don't understand why really he has the talent to do so. So we'll see what changes with Sam Darnold. We'll see how much Robbie Anderson is involved, how much Terrace Marshall is involved. This offense is just not going to be good enough, I think, to have DJ Moore be a like top 15 wide receiver, as some people are hoping for, unless Terrace Marshall does absolutely nothing, which all reports are saying the exact opposite of that. And Robbie Anderson like takes a huge backseat, which I also see kind of unrealistic. So that's DJ Moore at wide receiver 21. This is tier four still. We've got the nice little three-bagger of almost four-bagger. Jamar Chase squeezed in there, though. A three-bagger of sophomore receivers. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk. Those are my wide receivers from 22 to 24. Higgins, we'll talk about him first. I have him projected for a point more per week than LaVisca and Ayuk, I didn't actually give him points per game because of the whole quarterback questions there. But I will say, Higgins, not a great schedule, but I think he's the wide receiver one long-term, dynasty term in Cincinnati. And I actually do think he has a good shot at leading the team in targets this year. I was more on the Tyler Boyd side, but with what T. Higgins has been doing in camp and him doing exactly what I said he was going to do, like what Brandon Marshall did when he came into the league and then put on weight was a beast. They were excelling at the same type of, uh, like the same skills and stuff like that at the wide receiver position. He was my comparison for T. Higgins coming out as a rookie comp. And I said, guys, T. Higgins is just gonna, once he packs on some weight, he's gonna be even better, more unstoppable. And that's apparently what he's been like all camp, what he's looked like the whole time. And he is just doing great. So I think, uh, not Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins has a great shot. The reason I have Tyler Boyd ranked above him, despite having less targets, is because just that catch rate for Tyler Boyd is insane, and I do everything by PPR. But T. Higgins, 
probably going to lead their their receiver core in touchdowns as well. So if Joe Burrow has a great season, T. Higgins could have double-digit touchdowns. I like him a lot. He's my wide receiver, 22. Then we've got LaVisca Chanel. I just saw somebody on Twitter say how LaVisca is like the first person that could take the mantle from Steve Smith as like a gritty wide receiver, and I love it. I did not even think about that at all. I love it. LaVisca Chenault is the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. That team is going to pass a lot. He's got the best hands, statistically speaking. He's got the best hands, and if you watch him, it's pretty evident, from last year's rookie class. Now, CeeDee Lamb makes some crazy highlight catches, yes, but LaVisca, man, he touches that ball, he's coming down with it. Absolutely. So LaVisca Chenault, love him. 13.9 points per game. He's got a green schedule as well. That that division doesn't really have much to worry about, defensively speaking. And like I said, he'll get plenty of volume. He even has the little bonus of rushing because he'll probably get like a carry per game. So that's where I got on LaVisca. Brandon Ayuk, he's somebody who's super hard for me to figure out. I'm placing him around what I think he can be. Last year, he had 15.4 points per game. I think it's probably going to be around that, just a little bit lower, because especially if Trey Lance takes over, they're not going to pass nearly as much, because Trey Lance is going to utilize those legs, which is going to help the team, and it's going to help him, but it's not going to help the wide receivers. Plus, George Kittle and Debo, healthy, hopefully, all season with Ayuk. It's going to be completely different than Ayuk having half of his games. He's just like the only guy to go to. Jamar Chase is wide receiver 25 for me. I might actually knock this down a little bit. I have him just eclipsing 1,000 yards at 7 touchdowns, 143 targets. I might, like I said, I might move it a tiny bit, but I'm not going to overreact to camp reports right now. I also never really looked at Jamar Chase as somebody who created a whole bunch of separation, so I'm not really surprised by the report. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jamar Chase is not creating separation this wide receiver that we thought was absolutely perfect, which was not the case as as uh, as a prospect, that wasn't the case, and everyone's like freaking out now and dropping him in rankings. Guys, you should have already known that he was not an elite separator. He was just very good at everything else. So, anyways, Jamar Chase still probably gonna have a good rookie season. He'll probably be the best rookie wide receiver out of everybody. I. Maybe Devonta Smith, maybe, but it's really hard for me to see that. Chase Claypool is the other wide receiver that's a sophomore this year that was almost in that group with Higgins, Chanel, and Ayuk. He's right behind them. I have him at 14.7 points per game. I probably would actually at this point take him over Jamar Chase, so we'll go ahead and make that swap live right now in the podcast. I'm moving Jamar Chase right under Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has the most potential. He has the highest ceiling in the Steelers room in my opinion but he also has the lowest floor so he's kind of like a medium risk medium reward type player and I say medium reward because he's not going to be an alpha dog wide receiver and their offense is not very very good and it's pretty important actually if you look at the stats in fantasy football it's pretty important to have a good offense to be good in fantasy as a wide receiver then we've got Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver 27 I think Him and Deontay Johnson, one of them is going to lose out big because of Najee Harris. And I kind of just knocked them both down pretty evenly. Like I told you, I just adjusted the Steelers. I gave a little bit of what I had from Juju, a little bit of it to Deontay. I had already accounted for Najee Harris the first time around. So Juju and Deontay actually have right next to each other in my rankings. Brandon Cooks is the only person in between them, which honestly you can move that around if you want. So 
I'm not trying to get in a huge argument with Juju versus Deontay. I think they're both going to be good. I just have Juju higher because I haven't projected for two more touchdowns. Brandon Cooks is the guy between them. He's been great. He's been a wide receiver too. We kind of talked about this already. A wide receiver too. Five of the last six years. Not only a wide receiver too, but top 16. Five out of the last six years. So Brandon Cooks has been great. Even if the quarterback situation is horrible, he's still going to produce. He's still going to be the most targeted wide receiver over there. His schedule is not terrible. It's yellow, so just barely missed out on a really good schedule. I like Brandon Cooks. He's one of those guys I'm drafting late too. Tyler Boyd, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Brandon Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. Those are the wide receivers that we've talked about so far that I do see myself adding on redraft teams. Those are the guys that I am actually drafting because I love their values. I think they're going to do much better than where they're being drafted. Now, Deontay Johnson started tier five for me. Jerry Judy continues that tier. He's wide receiver 30. By the way, we're going to start picking it up a little bit, and then we'll get into the tight ends, and we'll wrap it up. But Jerry Judy is my wide receiver 30. Just not much passing volume to go around there, and there's a lot of good options to go to. So I find it hard to see Jerry Judy doing what I know he can talent-wise and getting you know 90-plus receptions. So he's my wide receiver 30. Then I have Corey Davis, then Kenny Galladay, then Jalen Waddell. I think Jalen Waddell is the wide receiver to draft in Miami. Then Adam Thielen at wide receiver 34. He's going to see some huge touchdown regression, and the rest has already been regressing. He's at that drop-off age of danger, so I'm staying away from Adam Thielen. Antonio Brown, he's a good value pick. I like where he's going. So out of everyone we've talked about, Jalen Waddle and Antonio Brown are the two I'm drafting. Then Odell Beckham at wide receiver 36, Michael Pittman, Robbie Anderson, Jarvis Landry. Don't really have much shares of any of those guys in redraft. DJ Chark, if you want to take a shot shot at Chark, then go for it. I like that one. I just prefer LaVisca more, and they're pretty close in ADP, just like one round between them. Will Fuller next, then Elijah Moore, then Henry Ruggs to cap cap off that tier. Henry Ruggs is another guy I like drafting in a lot of places. Elijah Moore is not a bad shot either. Then after that, really the only people I want to talk about, let's see. Mike Williams has some good sleeper potential. Gabriel Davis has good sleeper potential. The thing is, is a lot of people are getting on the Mike Williams train, so it's going to get ruined. But Gabriel Davis, a lot of people are not on it. I think he could be the wide receiver too. I, I really think he actually will be the wide receiver too this year for the Bills. He had a very good but quiet rookie receive, uh, rookie season, and I think he's going to do much more this year. Jalen Rager is another guy I don't mind. I have him and Devonta Smith back-to-back. Everyone wants the hot new commodity. Everyone wants the rookie. I think Rager is really not far behind from Devonta, and I actually have him ranked above in terms of this season. Now, if we're talking... Uh, dynasty, then yeah, I'll take Devonta Smith over Jalen Rager. But for this year, I'll take Jalen Rager. Then we've got Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway. Both of the Saints receivers might be decent sleepers. Deami Brown, he could take over and be the wide receiver too instead of Curtis Samuel with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Deami Brown's a great deep threat. We know Fitz loves to let it rip. Darno Mooney is another really good one that a lot of people like. I like him too. Terrace Marshall, I like him. I have to adjust him, bump him up a little bit. I have him at 92 targets. I'll probably move him to like 97. Brian Edwards is a good sleeper. Amon Ross St. Brown is a decent sleeper, even though I probably won't draft too much of him. Amari Rogers is a really good sleeper. We'll talk about sleepers and busts. We'll actually have our own episode on that. 
But those are the wide receiver rankings for me. Let's get into the tight ends, but first we'll take a quick break. What's up, divers? Do you guys enjoy a good workout like me? Well, guess what? I've got the perfect nutrition for you, and that is Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Guys, I have tried every single flavor to this point. I've got some rankings for you. Here are my top five favorite flavors that are in the 18-pack, their standard rotation, not any holiday or special event items. My favorite is banana bread, followed very closely by coconut. I really like the peanut butter. That is my third favorite. Toffee almond. Ooh, that's a nice one. And cookies and cream. Those are the top five flavors if you guys want to try them out. If you haven't, why not? Why have you not tried these out yet? These are amazing. I have them after every single workout paired with, actually, their vitamin packs that give you 100% of your daily vitamins. Guys, I'm not even eating vegetables and fruits anymore. I don't need to. I'm getting all of my vitamins and then some in a pack that comes out to less than a dollar a day. Are you kidding me? You're spending more than that on fruits and vegetables. Plus, it takes time to eat that. I'm somebody who thinks time is money. So I just like to mix that stuff into my water. Check out Built Bar. Use my code DEEPDIVE to save 10% off and get the nutrition side of working out added in to the hard work you put in the gym and get max results. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. Going over the tight ends, Travis Kelsey, absolutely super obvious tight end one. He gives you a huge advantage. Remember, Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to say it again, 6.2 points per week advantage over your opponent's running back. Travis Kelsey, 6.5, so actually more than Christian McCaffrey, but I would still prefer Christian McCaffrey just because he's not at like a dangerous age range. Now, Kelsey might take a little bit of a step back, but he's still going to be the number one or number two. Maybe if Darren Waller goes like crazy with touchdowns to make up for it. But Travis Kelsey, 6.5 points per week over your opponent's tight end. That is absolutely insane. If I'm doing a regular redraft league, I'm going Christian McCaffrey, probably Travis Kelsey at two, and Dalvin Cook at three. Those are my top three in order. Yes, if I was drafting at two or three, I would take Travis Kelsey. I really would, unless I was super confident that Darren Waller would be there. If I know my league mates really well and how they draft, and I'm for sure like comfortable with Darren Waller being there at the back end of the second round, then fine, I'll take a running back and hope that Waller comes back around. But if not, which usually I would not be, I'll take Kelsey. So Kelsey's always lived up to like top three, top five VORP value every single season, but he's never drafted there. He should be, don't make the mistake, mistake not doing it. Travis Kelsey, I have at 19 and a half points per game. Darren Waller, I have at 17.2. Then the next best tight end is at 13 something. So Kelsey is at 19.5 and the next best tight end after Darren Waller is at 13.5. That is a huge drop, a super remarkable drop. So come on, guys. Come on. Don't overthink it. Travis Kelsey's a monster. Darren Waller is also a monster. He will give you, four, according to my projections, 4.2 points per week over your average opponent's tight end. The only person you won't be massively outscoring is the person who owns Travis Kelsey. Everybody else, you have a huge leg up on them. So Darren Waller 
should be in the conversation for being a first-round pick, but he's not, and people are sleeping. Tight end is such an easy position to kick people's butts with in fantasy. You should always invest. Pay up. Pay up for the tight end. If you have the opportunity, if you're in a draft position that allows you to get a top-tier tight end, do not waste that chance. Do not. The best teams I have ever had have always had an elite tight end. Always. Like, more than 50% of the time that I go all the way and win a championship, I have an elite tight end. It's no joke. Tight end is the way to go. So tight end and running back, that's how you build your team. Everything else you can find later. You can find on waivers. You can find in the middle rounds. And follow me because I'm pretty good at predicting like sleepers at the other positions in the middle rounds and later on. Not so much at running back. Another reason why I go slam running back up top. But if we're being real, not many people are very good at predicting mid-round running backs and sleeper running backs. So anyways... Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller are both in their own tiers. Kelsey's in a hot pink tier, just like McCaffrey, because of the huge VORP advantage, which is value over replacement player. Darren Waller is the only person in the green tier. That's tier two. And then we have tier three. Quite a few guys in it. George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. You can order those guys however you want. None of them have bad schedules. Actually, none of the top tight ends in the rankings. None of the top 13 tight ends for me have bad schedules. The worst one is Orange, and that's Kyle Pitts. And he's a rookie too, so he and he's starting to get really high in drafts, so I'm not taking Kyle Pitts anywhere. But Kelsey, I'm taking at value. Darren Waller, I'm taking at value. Kittle, I'm staying away from because I'm kind of worried with injury history and how much pass volume is going to go around. How is the targets going to shake out between him and now the well-established Brandon Ayuk and his talent and Debo being healthy? So there's some questions there that makes me stay away from Kittle. I'd much rather Waller, and they go in the same spot. So that's why I don't have any Kittle shares. Kyle Pitts, he's a rookie. I think he'll still have a good season. I have him for 79 catches, 1,000 yards, and 8 touchdowns. And he's my tight end four. But he's just being drafted super high, and a lot could go wrong as a rookie tight end. We never really see an elite season get put up. Dallas Goddard is my tight end five. I think he's going to be the number one target on the Eagles. Now, if they retain Zach Ertz, you gotta you gotta look at the context. Like I I want to say that because it makes things easy. I want to say, hey, just look at the context, right? If Zach Ertz is there, then they're probably just showcasing him and they're gonna trade him. Otherwise, they're gonna cut him. Which that's how it should be because the Eagles ain't, ain't doing nothing this season, so Zach Ertz isn't really gonna help them. You want to try and do something for the future. You've got Devonta Smith. You've got Jalen Rager. You've got Dallas Goddard. You've got Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. You've got good young pieces. We'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts. But you're, you kind of got to start building for the future in Philly. So it would not make sense to keep Zach Ertz if he's actually playing good. You should try and get value for him. But teams do things that don't make sense all the time. So hopefully the Eagles do the right thing and Zach Ertz isn't there, but if he is, that'll definitely throw a damp towel on this Dallas Goddard take, but I like Dallas Goddard a lot. I think he's going to lead the team in targets. Have him going for over 75 receptions. I have him projected at 86, but I think 75 would be a good over-under where I would actually take the over. Just under 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns for Goddard. 
Then I have TJ Hawkinson. He's also going to lead his team in targets. Mark Andrews also going to lead his team in targets. So those last three tight ends in that third tier are going to lead their team in targets. I feel pretty confident in it, especially Hawkinson and Andrews. Then we have the next tier, which is huge. But it starts off with, and this is pretty much where I I will say I'm confident. It starts off with Adam Troutman, Noah Fant, Robert Tunyon, and Logan Thomas. Those four, I think, are all pretty good values. If you're missing out on the top-tier guys and you miss out on Dallas Goddard or TJ Hawkinson, because I think Andrews is being drafted a little too high, Kyle Pitts is being drafted a little too high, Kittle's being drafted a little too high. So after Kelsey and Waller, the middling tight ends that I like are Goddard and Hawkinson. And then after those guys, the later tight ends I like are Troutman, Fant, Tanyan, and Thomas. So Logan Thomas looks really good. He has a good connection with Fitzpatrick. He was really good last year. He had, what was it, 110 targets last year, 72 receptions last year. So he was pretty freaking good. And he was, I think, like tight end three or tight end four. He's probably going to be honestly not too far off. He just might lose maybe a touchdown, maybe a couple targets here and there because of adding Deami Brown and Curtis Samuel. But I also expect the offense to be way better than it was with Alex Smith. So we'll see what happens. Logan Thomas, I like a lot. Robert Tunyon, if he gets a bigger role because of how good he was last year and they say, hey, let's throw to him more, then that could be great. Noah Fant, he's just a rack beast. His run after catch skills are, are great. And Adam Troutman, he could reasonably be the most targeted player in that offense or second most targeted after Alvin Kamara, or he could be the fourth most targeted. Who knows? But he's got a lot of potential. He showed some good skills last year as a receiver in his rookie season, so we'll see what his role develops as. And Fant and Troutman have green schedules, really, really good schedules. So that's also a plus. After those guys, I have Tyler Higby at thir- or at 12, tight end 12, Tyler Higby. Then Mike Gesicki, then Gerald Everett. He's a good late-round dart throw. Jared Cook, then Irv Smith, then Anthony Ferkser, Jonu Smith at tight end 18, Evan Ingram at 19, Cole Komet at 20. Cole Komet, I know I have him really low. It's I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up doing a lot better, but right now I think that whole offense is pretty much going to be Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and Mooney. And then when Fields takes over, Mooney with uh, or Fields with his legs as well. Plus, Cole Komet has a really bad tight end schedule. So that's kind of why I have him low, but I don't think he's a bad sleeper to take a shot at. Then I have Austin Hooper, OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, and that wraps it up. So those are the tight ends. Basically, draft Kelsey or Waller if you have the opportunity. I would take Kelsey anywhere after McCaffrey, so you can't really overdraft Kelsey. And then Darren Waller, I would be looking at him after that like top tier, or second tier, I should say, after McCaffrey, tier of running back. So after, mm, let's see, after Saquon, Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, after that group, that's where I would look to take Waller. So he's definitely a first-round pick worthy to me at the back end of the first You'll definitely be able to get in there and redraft, so keep your eye out on him. And you guys know how I feel about the other guys, so have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. Drop a rating, drop a review if you can. Peace.